BG Mania, a video game music podcast for September 19th, 2019, is made possible by Level Down Games. Check us out over at leveldowngames.com for the latest reviews and brand new episodes of both BG Mania, a video game music podcast every Wednesday, and Max Level, a video game podcast every Monday. On with the show. To BG Mania, a weekly video game music podcast brought to you by Level Down Games. I'm Brian, joined as always by the mini version himself. It's Frank. There ain't nothing mini about me, ladies. <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> For those just joining us, what we like to do here at BG Mania is challenge ourselves to never play the same track more than once, except for special occasion episodes, which will always be announced in advance. So you always guarantee to hear something new, something fresh, and something exciting each and every week. If you're new to the world of video game music podcasts, you are in for a treat. But for all those veterans that may be stumbling on our neck of the Lost Woods for the very first time, Frank and I definitely tell more personal stories about the games we play music from and about the tracks themselves, instead of constantly diving into music theory and breaking apart each track instruments at a time. As always, we hope you enjoy the episode we have lined up for your listening pleasure today. Don't forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever listening to us and leave that five star rating under review so we continue to climb the charts in terms of search results. One thing I love doing here at BG Mania, I love doing these bonus episodes because it allows us a chance to do something a little bit different. Now, I will say for this month's bonus episode, we are tackling things just a little bit differently. And really, for all intents and purposes, you're going to think this is a normal episode because there's really not going to be much different about it. Typically, the bonus episodes are shorter. We have the same amount of tracks in this one as we do on a normal week to week episode. There's 16 tracks, eight from me, eight from Frank. It's also an, a bonus episode where we're both here again. Normally, the bonus <gasps> episodes are just me. Frank is here. And the reason for that is because this is a monumental bonus episode where we really get to explore music from games that are going to be featured on the Sega Genesis Mini. And we tried to pick from games that we really haven't explored much of in the past here on BG Mania, games that maybe we have no other reason to pick from other than the fact that they are releasing on the Sega Genesis Mini. I'll tell you right now, there's probably half of my picks from games that I wouldn't even have known to pick from. Now, I do know these games exist, but I would have never probably picked from them. 
unless it was for this episode, just because I've never played them and didn't know too much about them. But the beauty of this episode is that I did get to learn more about them, and now I'm excited more than ever to play these games on the Genesis Mini. And the reason that this episode is going up today, it's Thursday, it's September 19th, the Sega Genesis Mini is releasing today. Once stores open in your local time zone, wherever you go to buy your stuff, you pick up the Sega Genesis Mini. From everything I've heard, and we did not get early advanced units here at Level Down Games, which was unfortunate, I did try to secure some, and we just weren't able to get any. But from those that I do know that did get it early, supposedly, this is the best mini console to release, better than the NES Classic and SNES Classic. Well, you know what that means? Wait until tomorrow, September 20th. The government is going to be distracted with everyone going to Area 51. You can go steal yourself one for free. <laughs> Let's not give bad. No, no bad well, advice, Frank. How about, we, how, how about we not do that? And don't say Frank told you to do that because I don't need to be on any more of these government lists. <laughs> uh, the only thing that will be slightly different on the bonus episode of BG Manias today is there will be no ads. So you won't have any breaks in between some of the music like we normally do on a week to week basis. And by ads, I mean us plugging our own content for the most part. <laughs> I'm excited to do this episode, though. And that phenomenal track that we opened up with, Frank, that was your first pick. And what was that? Uh, so that was for it was called Under the Ocean uh, from Wonder Boy in Monster World, which came out in February of 1992 uh, here in the States, composed by Shinichi Sakamoto. Now. I open up with this track Under the Ocean because if you missed it yesterday, we put out an episode all about underwater levels of video games. I think one of our best episodes ever. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that one as well. OK, we got, we got you two episodes in one week. We spoil you back to back too. Wednesday and a Thursday. Like these are back to back episodes. But I do agree with you. Five episodes back to back to back. I want to hate myself at the end of the week, but I'm going to do it for you. I don't think we'll ever do five episodes back to back to back to back to back to back because I think that's overkill. <laughs> Maybe, God forbid, when the day hopefully never comes, if Booker T dies, we'll do five episodes. But, uh... Oh, Jesus. Let's not put that out in the ether right now. Come on, that, now. <laughs> that's, that's not going to happen for another 60 years, so don't worry. Come on, now. Uh, but, yeah, this, this, this track, I, I love this. It's peaceful. It's serene. You hear, you'll hear us say that a lot on that past episode about just underwater levels. Uh, and this is a fun game. This is a, this is a, a game I didn't think I'd like. I have to admit, did not play initially on Sega Genesis. Yeah, I have played several of the Wonder Boy games and they're still releasing like a new one just came out this year, I think, on the Switch. Like these these games are still being produced in this games in this franchise, I should say. And I really do enjoy the series. It definitely is a throwback to simpler times of, of gaming. And I, I don't know, man, I really like this one. I'm glad we saved this one for this episode and didn't play it on the uh, the underwater episode yesterday because I enjoyed this track. I really did. Yeah, I, I didn't play this until much, much later. I think I played it on Xbox Live. That sounds about right. Oh, here we go. May 22nd, 2012 is when it came out on Xbox Live. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I do think it did come out on Xbox Live. Yeah, for sure. It's a Metroidvania. I mean, it's everything Frank loves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I just pulled the thing. In Japan, this is Wonder Boy 5 Monster World 3, which is just like Final Fantasy 4 being Final Fantasy 7 or whatever the hell they call it. So we're good. So this is the fifth game in the franchise. Fifth game in the Monster World subseries. OK, well, then for my first pick, I'm going to take us back a game. OK, I think, it, I think it makes sense to do that because I didn't even realize 
this particular game was part of the Wonder Boy franchise until I started doing my research for this episode and compiling notes. So let's take a listen from Monster World 4, which Ooh, I'm assuming actually, is the fourth the game. game. After, the game after this one. Oh, wait, that's Monster World 6? This, this is Monster World 3, <laughs> Wonder, Boy, Wonder Boy 5. Okay, so Crazy. this game actually comes out. This game in the timeline of events is after the one we just heard. Unbelievable. <laughs> I thought because it was 4, it was the one prior to, but I guess that is not the case. So I'm going to take us, instead of going back a game, I'm going to go forward a game in the Wonder Boy franchise. <laughs> from Monster World Four. Let's take a listen to the main theme. was the main theme from Monster World 4, which released April 1st, 1994 in Japan. We apparently never got this game on the Sega Genesis here in North America. It wouldn't release in English until 2012 on the virtual console here in North America. So I am kind of curious how they're going to do that on the Sega Genesis Mini and obviously the game's already translated into English, so it probably wouldn't be hard to just do that, but it never did technically officially release in English on the Genesis. So I'll be curious to see how it works uh, later today or if we keep our Amazon pre-orders. I think our Amazon shipments was delayed until next Monday. Monday. So yeah. <laughs> even though we pre-ordered like immediately on Amazon day and date and I, yeah, I within minutes, was one of within the, minutes, I was, of, I was one of the first people to pre-order. Like as soon as it went up, I was in there Yeah, within minutes and we still got delayed. So Amazon this is why definitely I talk so much issues. trash about you, Amazon. <laughs> but that was composed by Jin Watanabe. So not the same composer as the previous Wonder Boy game, uh, Shinichi Sakamoto, that we just heard in the opening track. I love this bait theme, dude. It is super upbeat and it is super catchy. I like that. I was like humming along to it as I was hearing it. Yeah, it sounds familiar, even though I know for a fact I don't know that. But it just has that familiar sound to it. You know what I mean? Uh, has Mr. Uh, Watanabe done anything else that I know? Because I, I, I know the last name from an actor who's in the Godzilla movies, but uh, I'm assuming it's not the same person. Uh, I, I really doubt it's the same person. Jin no. Watanabe oh, did... Oh, this is Ken. Ken, Ken Watanabe. <laughs> 
did the music composition for Riot City, Star Parodier. I think that's how you would say that. Star Parodier. Uh, Maybe that's how you say that. They're pronounced pierogies and they're delicious. No, it's not pierogies. <laughs> no, 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 they, they absolutely are. Um, they're, they're potato dish. They're no, Polish. I know what they are, but the word that I'm saying is not pierogies. Oh, well, now I'm hungry. Thanks a lot, Brian. Also did the music for 1995's Dungeon Explorer. 1990 and uh, the last game he did was 1998's Bloody Roar 2. So he didn't do much. Okay, I played that game though. So yeah, but I am All familiar right. with the name. Like I, I've definitely heard of him, but it's not a name I've seen in passing because we, we go over, we see a lot of composers. So yeah, absolutely. The, he um he worked on Shadow Hearts in 2001 with uh, with Midway, but he wasn't the composer. He it says he did sound manipulation, and I don't exactly know, you know what that you means. See a lot, you, you see a lot of that, though. Um, the composers, they'll do a couple games and they'll be part of the sound department of other games like. They yeah, they'll become like the uh, e like editor or sound effects or designer for sound like they, they do end up going on to different things. But I really don't know what sound manipulation means, and I'm curious to know what that means. If you know, let us know. I actually am genuinely curious about something like that. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe one day Yoko Shiramura will be like, you know, just remixing ringtones for me. The sound manipulator on, uh, I don't know. The, the Love Down Games, the movie, the game. <laughs> game. Exactly. It's happening, people. It's going to happen. No, probably never will. I'm going gonna, gonna to will into existence. Um, you know what? I got a good one for you here. Okay. Uh, this is from a little fighting game called Eternal Champions. Ooh, okay. This is Xavier Stage. Thank you. 
and that was Xavier Stage, or Xavier Stage, however you want to pronounce that name. X, go and give it to you. From Eternal Champions. Came out December 11th, 1993. I have a whole slew of composers here. I'm going to read them all. Joe Delia, John Hart, Jeff Marsh, Adrian Van Velsen, Andy Armour, and Frank. <laughs> the only one that doesn't count is Frank. You always do that. You always try to sneak yourself in there. <laughs> I think I need more credit for all the great things I do. Now, uh... Eternal Champions, I'll go out and say it. I didn't like it. It's not the. It's it's not a horrible game. I've never played it, so it's just not. I just don't think it's a good game. It's it's a fighting game. It exists. Um, this character, it's there's the Eternal Champion. He's an actual you know, person who puts together this whole tournament of fighting. It's it's a Mortal Kombat ripoff. It's, it's what this game is. Uh, where Mortal Kombat has fatalities, this game has things called overkills. Uh, these characters are all from like different like errors of time so uh you have characters from the modern day from which is 93 uh you have people from the future you have people from the, you know, the past uh, xavier pendragon is an alchemist from salem 1692 uh his overkill overkills in this game they were stage specific okay so like so you, could, so you could burn somebody at the stake in Salem as your overkill at the end. You know what's uh, funny is when you told me that this game had overkills when we were listening you said, to it, I, you, you thought I ogre literally kill. thought you said ogre kills. <laughs> I, I, I figured I, I'd correct that as we go through. Literally thought you said ogre kills. That's hilarious. If you remember, you remember the Sega Activator? I don't know if, you, if that's something that you just... Activator? No. It's a kind of controller. Is what okay. It is. And it, it, this, was the, this was the packing game that came with it just to show you, because... When you play the games like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, you want your high, medium, low hits. So that's an interesting jumping off point there because Sega did say that they are considering releasing add-on stuff for the Sega Genesis Mini. I can see them giving us the uh, the six-button controller. Maybe that. Like I, I I know for a fact, like they kind of teased maybe like the 32x and the Sega CD and that like there's there's a potential that they could actually sell those add-ons and keep adding on to the collection of the Sega Genesis Mini. And if they did that, that would actually be really cool. You know what I want? It's an easy thing to add on. I want the Sega channel. Ooh, that would be really cool. Yeah, that would be really, really, really cool. You just got to sell us a Wi-Fi dongle for this thing, and then you just bring this bad boy online. Well, it could be a way to add additional games to the Genesis Mini as well through the Sega channel. See, there you go. Yeah, that would be really cool. But Frank, that track, that is like very eerie. Like it, it it starts out very Halloween, very Michael Myers. I think yeah, I think John Carpenter actually has some credit on this on the song as well. <laughs> but you know what? It makes sense because this character, the setting is Salem, Massachusetts during the Salem Witch Trials though. Yeah, yeah, it definitely it needs to have an eerie undertone to it because of the locale. You're absolutely right, it does. And yeah, man, that's just that's creepy. That is a creepy track. That is that is a good one. I do think it's weird that Eternal Champions made the cut over some other better games. Street Fighter's on this, right? On the mini? Yes, it is. We just didn't. We just didn't. uh, Yeah, we'll play it off of that. Play play that instead. Uh, Yeah, we didn't. uh, We didn't try to pick from the more popular. Like, you're not going to hear Street Fighter today. You're not going to hear Sonic, even though those are your like you know, marquee titles on the Genesis Mini. We wanted to go obscure for this because there's a lot of music out there that is worth exploring from these games that, hell, some of these I didn't even know existed. So, like, Eternal Champions. Didn't didn't know about that game at all. <laughs> you can know your whole rest of your life without hearing that game. Uh, but if you do like Eternal Champions and you think I'm wrong, let us know. Uh, join us on the Discord. I'll prove you wrong. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just not a fan. Not a fan. Yeah. I hope I hate it, something here. 
All right, man, let's go to my next pick. And I have a fun little track for us to listen to from a game that I am familiar with, but I've never had the chance to play. And I'm looking forward to playing it on the Genesis Mini. From Landstalker, this is Bustling Street. was Bustling Street from Landstalker, which the exact title of that game is Landstalker, The Treasures of King Knoll, released sometime in 1993 here in North America. I don't have an exact date. Composed by Motuaki Takenochi. Motuaki Takenochi would actually go on to compose music for the Shining Force series after doing the music for Landstalker, which I thought was kind of cool because, you know, Shining Force is a pretty popular JRPG over in Japan and somewhat here in, in the States as well. I'm really looking forward to playing through Landstalker. Like I said, it's a game that I've always known about, but never actually had a chance to play when I was younger and then just kind of forgot about it until the Genesis Mini was announced and they announced this game was going to be part of the 42 games on there. And there's one thing I love. It's a freaking bustling town theme. And that's really what I get from this man. Like, it is, yeah, it, it is so catchy. It is so like jolly. This is a jolly tune, dude. I love this a lot. Is there a rewind function on the Genesis Mini? You know, I don't really know. <laughs> I, hope so. I hope so for, for your sake, because uh, I have a little experience playing this game. Uh, my friend was playing. So, of course, I pick up the controller, you know, in between and screw around. It's hard. This is a difficult game. It's a difficult game. Uh, enemies Good. respawn and 
I, I like hard games, but come on now. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the challenge then because, yeah, I've, I, I I don't know. that That is a good point. I don't know if the Genesis Mini has a rewind feature. I imagine it does. I don't even know that it has save states. I imagine that it does. <laughs> I didn't do, like, extensive research into the Genesis no, 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 Mini. No, no, no. I, just, I, just, I, I knew I wanted it, so I pre-ordered it. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, that's the extent of my knowledge as well. I knew I wanted this thing. It's awesome to have for a collection purpose. Uh, it has 42 great games or, you know, maybe not all great games, but 42 games, most of them great, that I really want to check out and play through again or experience for the first time. And it really gets us a chance to be able to listen to these soundtracks again. Some of these long forgotten the history. And that's what's really cool. I actually was going to pick from because uh, you would actually when we were listening to this, you had asked me if this was a Legend of Zelda like clone game, because there's a lot of those that exist on the Sega Genesis. I was actually going to pick. There is one on the Genesis mini called Beyond Oasis. That's and, the one I was thinking too. Yeah, that is very much referred to as like a Legend of Zelda Link to the Past type of a clone. And that soundtrack was actually composed by Yuzo Koshiro. I listened to that soundtrack from start to finish. That is probably Yuzo Koshiro's worst work ever. And I looked it up a little bit more after I listened to that soundtrack. That is universally agreed upon that it's his worst composition he's ever done. It is not that good. It Just is did not what you that know, good. Yuzo. Well, he did. He absolutely did. It, it does have like it. It very much has. And I, I, you know, everyone knows that listens to the show. Yuzo Koshiro is my favorite composer of all time. He's number one for me. I absolutely love. At least I thought I loved everything that he did. I did not love the Beyond Oasis composition, and I had never heard it before. Sometimes you need a paycheck, you know, I, I just it was very bare bones and it just didn't work with that style of game. So I actually dropped it. I, I replaced my pick with uh, another one that we're going to come up here uh, a little. Actually, we already played it. Uh, I, I replaced Beyond Oasis with Monster World 4, which we played um, two tracks ago. You know what? I'm going to play one of my favorite Japanese games here. How about that? OK, uh, a game that is near and dear to my heart, also near and dear to the slums of Shaolin, Wu-Tang represent from Shinobi 3. This is Adaten.
and that was Idaten from Shinobi 3 Return of the Ninja Master, which came out October 22nd, 1993. Um, composed by the same team who composed Daytona 2000, which is... Oh, is that the case? Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hirofumi Murasaki, Morihiko Akiyama, and Masayuki Nagao. Is that how those names are pronounced? Probably. I, I would say that's probably if pretty you, close. If you say it with confidence, you know you're right. That's probably pretty close. I didn't realize that's the same team that did uh, Daytona 2000. That's a phenomenal racing game. <laughs> you know, this is the last game on the, the Shinobi trilogy. Uh, this is the sequel to Revenge of the Shinobi. Talk about hard games, though. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we just talked about that a little bit with Landstalker. These games are... I don't know if they're more difficult than Landstalker, but I have I have experience with the Shinobi trilogy at least. These games are mind-numbingly difficult. I sure as hell hope that there's safe states. Um, I know <laughs> I actually looked it up just because literally I remember this game being like impossible. In normal difficulty, you have three lives and three continues, so nine lives and you're done. So um, and you could probably you could probably lose those in the first level. And there's uh, seven levels with. Uh, two parts and a boss, so we're talking what? What's that? Uh, twenty-one. Twenty-one. Levels? If if you count the boss as its own individual level, yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, not an easy game. A fun game. Very rewarding to say that I've beaten this game. Oh, these these games are so much fun to play through, and they have very rocking soundtracks from start to finish. Like you thought, Adopton was good. The entire soundtrack to Shinobi Three is good. It's just the one I like the best, to be honest. Uh, I I listened to this entire soundtrack the other day. Oh, this is a great soundtrack. I'm I'm very familiar with the Shinobi soundtracks. These and I, I do believe this is not the first time we've heard something from Shinobi here at BG Mania, but these soundtracks. <laughs> yeah, me too. But these soundtracks really are good, and that is that track particularly we just heard. Idaten was amazing. That was a great pick. Uh, the game in general. Uh, I was looking at critic reviews. Sitting between 195, so uh, <laughs> a high 9.5, 9.6. So. That sounds about right. I mean, this game generally is pretty universally loved from what I remember. Uh, and, and it was a solid release. Like, this is a very solid release for its time. So I wouldn't ima- I would imagine I, it is a higher. This is one of the games I'm looking forward to getting back and playing into. So. Oh, I'm me glad, too. I, I cannot I'm, I'm wait to play this it. again. Yeah, I cannot wait to play this again. And yeah, like I said, one of the beauties of the Genesis Mini is that we get to experience these soundtracks again. And I know when they were doing the sound chip and that kind of stuff for the Genesis Mini, they were really trying to get as close as humanly possible to that classic Genesis sound chip and sound like that we're going to have. Oh, in Yuzo Koshiro, speaking of him the last time we talked, I mean, he composed the menu music for the Genesis Mini, which I'm also really excited to listen to and, and hear how that came out. But... Man, I'm just, I'm so looking forward to this thing. You have no idea. Like, we are Nintendo kids through and through. Like, you know, Frank and I both have our hearts set with, like, the NES and the SNES and the N64 and everything with Nintendo. But there's something special about the Sega Genesis that, really, it still is in my top, man, it might even be in my top three favorite consoles of all time. I I say all the time, Genesis was the first time as a kid that I actually bought my own console. I worked hard at my dad's restaurant. Uh, and you know, extra chores because like I'm gonna have my own console. I'm gonna play this. And my sisters won't be able to touch it. And right. I was wrong. I was gonna say right. <laughs> <laughs> they probably played it more than you did, and they also learned secrets that you didn't like. Uh, the fact that you could play as um... you can play as Knuckles and Sonic too if you put the uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Yep, they learned things that you didn't because you're just a big old dummy dum dum. Well, don't worry, payback is a common again. <laughs> All right, man, let's move on to a game that I am very excited to experience again. I know you just talked about you wanting to play through Shinobi 3 again. I'm very excited to play through some of these JRPGs again. And most importantly, this one right here. From Fantasy Star 4, this is Meet Them Head On. was Meet Them Head On from Fantasy Star 4, which released here in North America sometime in February 1995, composed by Yuzuho Takeuchi and Masaki Nakagaki. That is the battle music, or one of the many battle themes in Fantasy Star 4. There's like five or six different battle themes, or maybe even seven battle themes in Fantasy Star 4, and depending on location and where you are at in the story, the, the battle music changes, much like sometimes in Final Fantasies, the further in you get, the uh, the battle music will shift to something slightly different. This is the third or fourth version of the battle music that exists in Fantasy Star 4, so not the initial one you're going to hear, but also not the final one. But it's my favorite one. I love I have, this battle music. I have not played Fantasy Star 
in a Coon's Age, man. It has been a long, long time. I think the last one I played was Fantasy Star Online for the GameCube. Yeah, that was on the GameCube, and I and I really do like the Fantasy Star Online games. And uh, if you remember at the uh, E3 Microsoft conference this year, they announced that finally we're going to be getting Fantasy Star Online 2 in English here in North America. Like that's actually coming uh, maybe later this year. I don't really know, but it's coming to uh, Xbox and PC. And whenever that releases, whether that's this year or next year, you bet your ass I'm playing some Fantasy Star Online <laughs> 2. I've been waiting forever to play that officially in English. So that's going to be a joy to play through. But I really do like these single player offline Fantasy Star games as well, especially these more retro related ones that were on the Sega Genesis. I do think that's where the series shined most. And the soundtrack to Fantasy Star 4 is incredible. Like start to finish, this is an incredible soundtrack by these two. And like I said, this battle music, it's it's so good. And you were digging this as well. I was. I was I was popping along to it. It's definitely battle music almost always has like a nice upbeat oomph to it. Yeah, that's that's my Jimmy Jam. I try not to always pick battle music because I try to always pick battle music. I know, but like I (laughs) I don't want to just like every episode could technically be like a battle music episode Then if we really did that. So I do try to spread it out. You try to tell me that's not the point. (laughs) <laughs> battle music most of the time is some of the strongest tracks that we hear in these games for sure um try to decide what i want to go with next you know what okay i'm gonna go i'm just gonna go with my gut here i'm, I'm gonna go i'm gonna go capcom on you man that's a that's a big decision these are all i have nothing but good tracks coming ahead uh but yeah you didn't, get, you didn't catch my insult uh, and if, if it's something about my weight, then you can go to hell and die. You said you said uh, you were going with your gut, and I said that's a big decision. Oh, I get it because I'm fat. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, from a little game called Strider, this is Roaring.
And that was Roaring from Strider, which came out September 29th, 1990, composed by Miss Junko Tamiya. Oh, dude, I am so happy that we got to play some Junko Tamiya on the episode because we don't really get to play a lot of her work here at BG Mania. She didn't do a ton of much. stuff. But th- what we, she did we, we, do, we have, we have played from Little Nemo and Bionic Commando for sure. Like, there's no yeah, absolutely, like absolutely. But we don't get to explore her compositions that often. But I get so much joy whenever we get to listen to her work because everything she did is generally pretty incredible. It is, and I pulled a fun little fact here. So she went to Osaka College of Music in the 80s at the same time as Soya Oka and Yoko Shimomura. They're all classmates. God damn, the freaking, wow, that's really cool. Like a trifecta of amazing female Japanese composers. You know, Yoko Shimomura being the goddess that she is every time we talk about her. Soya Oka, love what she did on things like Super Mario Kart, man. She was incredible there. And then- I I see right here, she she was on uh, Miki uh, Hikoshino was there at the same time, the same time uh, for v- Vandal Hearts and Suikoden. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I, I like that. I mean, I went to the high, same high school as Reggie Fizume, but definitely not at the same time. <laughs> and you're definitely not friends with him, whereas these four females whoa, are probably whoa, 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 all friends. We are alumnus, okay? So <laughs> I don't think there's any proud and pride in being alumni from Brentwood High School. That's, you better tell that to EPMD. Who's that? That's a rock group, Brian. Eric and Parrish making dollars. Come on now, get with it. <laughs> get with it? What are they from, like, the 50s? Yo, man, you're going to get shot. Uh, I can't think of anyone else famous from Brentwood off the top of my head. Uh, but I love this song, man. Like, it's it's it, it's all over the place in a good way. Like, I, I, I can't liken it to anything other bum, than... Bum, 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 bum. It's catchy, dude. It's really... It's another very catchy tune. Yeah. I, I like... She, uh, um, she also has a lot of cool nicknames. <laughs> she goes by uh, Strong Tammy, Swimmer Tammy Chan, J Tamiya, Gonzu, Gondamin. Uh, Go- Gonzu. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, just because uh, they had no idea where the whole Swimmer Tammy Chan comes from. Maybe because she likes swimming. Uh, I came up with plenty of nicknames for Brian. Uh, Douchebag. <laughs> Douchebag. <laughs> yep. Jack, Jack Asshole. Uh, yeah. Better than being the heavy. Look, Brian, okay, if all you got is for me is my weight, okay? Then you, you have to come strong, okay? Man, you, you, you do it to yourself, though. I mean, you play I do, as I, these... I love to eat, okay? You I'm sorry. Play, you, no, I don't mean that, but you play as these, like, heavy characters in every game you play as. You, you, you live... I am playing, I am, I am playing as a heavy character. I was, was going to say, I'm well. sure that you are, <laughs> but he's the Beastmaster, so he's not, like, a tank, for surprisingly. Like, I'm, I'm really surprised in Borderlands 3, the biggest character is not, like, the you know, meat shield, so to speak, but kind of cool that he's a hunter. Yeah, that's, that's what I do, you know. I, I, I go out there with, with my animals and uh, take over the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like in real life. Yeah, uh, maybe. But I have a great track to transition to here, and this might be one of the most fun tracks we play on the episode today. All right, all right. From Super Fantasy Zone, this is Mango.
And that was Mango from Super Fantasy Zone, which released originally January 14th, 1992 over in Japan. We would not see that in English here in North America until July 21st, 2008, again on the Virtual Console. So the Virtual Console did house several unique Genesis games that we never got in English, much like um, Monster World 4 earlier. Composed by the amazing and wonderful Naoki Kodaka, who was a prolific Sunsoft composer back in the day and really a gentleman that we are going to definitely explore more of his music in a deep dive episode at some point in the future. 2085. Something like that. Uh, I don't know exactly when it'll be. I, I know it's not this year and probably not next year, but eventually we will do a dive into Naoki Kodaka's career. But I also kind of want to do a spotlight on Sunsoft music. Like, and then, and that's something Frank that's and I have talked idea. about doing. Yeah, we, we well, we've talked about doing that extensively. And I, and I do think we'll do that next year for sure. But I do know the Sunsoft episode will not be all Naoki Kodaka, even though it will probably be three-fourths Naoki Kodaka because he did compose most of the music for Sunsoft. There are a couple other Sunsoft composers out there that I, that I do want to spotlight in that Sunsoft episode. But fear not for all the fans of Naoki Kodaka because I do know in the VGM podcast fan community, there are a lot of people that love Naoki Kodaka, myself included. I think he's phenomenal. And we will definitely do a episode just on him at some point in the future as well. How amazing is this track, dude? I was doing a little salsa dance. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't get to see that. But very Latin flair. And if you paid attention to that drum Hello. beat in the background. <laughs> <laughs> if you paid attention to that drum beat in the background, that was incredible. I love that. Like I said, probably the most fun track we're going to hear on the episode today. I have to agree with that, yeah. I, 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 I love a nice little Jolthy Salsa with a nice, with a nice chip. And, and Super Fantasy Zone is another game that, that I've was, that's not... A nickname from, that's a nickname from my bedroom. Oh my god. I feel bad for anyone that gets sucked into the Super Fantasy Zone. But this is another game that I'm very much looking forward to play on the Genesis Mini. Because, again, it never released in English on the Genesis, and I never bought this on the Virtual Console. I've seen people play this. I've watched playthroughs on YouTube. I've always been intrigued by Super Fantasy Zone. Never got to play it. I'll check it out. I mean, I'm going to play every single one of these games. It's going to happen. It's, oh, I, yeah. Me I'm too. Spend, spend, spending my cold, hard cash on this game. <laughs> this is some... $80. And that's not a bad price. I would gladly no. pay that for the Genesis. It's, it's less than $2 a game. Absolutely, it is. You're right. It's like the quick math. Um, a game I didn't think was going to be on this uh, this collection. Simply because of licensing purposes. Oh, okay. Um, from stage three dash two, clever name. This is Castle of Illusion, starring Mickey Mouse. Three dash two. Thank you. 
And that was stage 3-2 from Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse, uh, famous mouse created by Walt Disney. Uh, November 20th, 1990, composed by Tokuhiko Uwabu and Shigenori Kamiya. Um, that's a unique track. Very stellar. Very uh, reminiscent of the moon from uh, DuckTales. But not it does. Good. It does have a lot of similarities to the moon. You're absolutely right. It also, it's another track that has like a kind of eerie undertone to it. And I cannot remember uh, what stage 3-2 is, but I do know for a fact that the entirety of Castle of Illusion is somewhat meant to be like a, it's not like spooky, but. I, I want to say 3-2 is the spider, but maybe. again, these are games I haven't played in so, so long. Uh, this is a game I, I, I've played it when they re-released it. Uh, for the PS3 on the as a free game. Yeah, they did that uh, like, man, like five or six years ago. But uh, even then, I only played it for a few minutes. I haven't actually played played Castle of Illusion since I was a kid. We're talking like when I was eight or nine years old when it first came out. And I am glad that this is a game that they did decide to include on the Genesis Mini because it is a very popular game on the Sega Genesis. I played this with my sister. Um, You know, it's a Disney game, so I had no problem with my parents buying this for me because, you know, Disney is safe. Disney is safe, but Disney games back then were also very good. You look at like Aladdin and The Lion King, which are re-releasing next month. Thank God. I can't wait to play through those again. But, <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing through those again. Uh, I think I'm getting it on the Switch. But these just these were always amazing games. And I don't remember much about the soundtrack to Castle of Illusion, but I am looking forward to experiencing it again on the Genesis Mini. Yeah, I think it's cool that we actually got a Disney game on this. Uh, is it the Disney game I wanted? No. But is it the Disney game we deserve? Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I absolutely agree with that. So nice pick. I like that one a lot. I want to move to a game that I had never heard of, and it's well, surprising well, t- 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 to me. Tetris is a game where you drop blocks down into a hole. And... Oh, is it kind of like Tetris 99? It's kind of like that, but not the same. <laughs> this game, I'm surprised I had never heard of it because it very much seems like a game that back then and even now I would greatly enjoy. But, you know, a lot of these games just kind of flew under the radar back in the early to mid 90s because there was really no way to know about them unless you saw them in a store and or read about them in a magazine. And GamePro didn't cover everything that I wish they would have for the Genesis. Obviously, this isn't going to be something that I would have seen in a Nintendo Power, which I read more than anything else back in the early 90s and mid 90s. It was practically the Bible to us. (laughs) Yeah, basically. So this is a game that from my knowledge of research on this, I believe was rare here in North America, which is why I probably never came across it. You're right, but uh, I meant rare. I meant rare is rare is in the commodity of rare. I can't, I can't <laughs> I've had too much caffeine. I'm sorry. Rare is in the state of being hard to find. From Alicia Dragoon, this is stage one one.
And that was stage 1-1 from Alicia Dragoon, which released worldwide, according to Wikipedia, March 30th, 1992. I don't know how accurate that is, but that is what it says and what I was able to find. Composed by a group known as Meccano Associates, which is very similar to what we talk about when we say like the Falcom JDK Sound Team or the Konami Kukia Club, things like that. It's a group of oh, composers. I, I, I was guessing it was like a group of lawyers who. <laughs> <laughs> Phoenix Wright and Associates. Yeah. No, this is the. Uh, these were the in-house composers for Game Arts which itself game arts is kind of cool because they would go on to make games like Grandia, which I absolutely love as a JRPG franchise and the Lunar series. They, they did those after doing Alicia Dragoon, but the Makano associates, the composers involved in Alicia Dragoon, Fumahito Kasatani, Nobuyuki Ishiomi, Mamori Ishimoto, Yoko Sonoda, and Mariko Soto. So I did a little bit of research while we were listening to that, a little bit more research, I guess I should say, into Alicia Dragoon. And it says here that due to the lack of publicity for the game internationally, Alicia Dragoon did not make a big impact on the video game market, despite the critical acclaim it received. So that definitely... It looks fun. Like I I see the screenshots. I was telling Brian, I've actually seen this game in the wild. Uh, I knew of it just because it has a very epic cover. Yeah, shows a uh, like a female barbarian-esque, Conan-esque type of a character standing in front of a dragon, shooting lightning out of her fingertips. You know how many video games I've bought because of that kind of imagery? <laughs> standing like surrounded by like these statues and a, a shirtless guy wielding an, a sword and a helm. Like this looks really cool. The cover looks really, really, really cool. And to this it, day, if that's the kind of cover we're doing, like, just, I pick it up. <laughs> Just look at agony, but exactly the uh, the gameplay of this. It's a platforming game that kind of sort of in a way resembles like a little bit of Castlevania to me a little bit. Just looking at some of the screenshots, but it's definitely not a Metroidvania. It is a traditional platforming game. Side scrolling fantasy. Yes, exactly. That. um from what I understand, if you fly through it, and as most games were back then, can be relatively short. I'm sure if you know the ins and outs, you could probably speed run straight through this game. Yeah, but I do know that there are some fairly difficult portions because one of the things that one of the quotes I was reading is from a magazine back in there in the day in the early 90s is that it is uh, quite challenging. So I'm looking forward to playing through this. It looks cool. So supposedly there's literally no way to save your data in, in this game. Now, I don't know. Again, with the Genesis Mini, there may be saved data states and all that kind of stuff to where we can utilize those. But the game itself back then did not offer a way to save your progress. Oh, man. You remember those days of just leaving your game on and like having to go like, go somewhere, like go to dinner with your parents or uh, like Someone, Come back to find ones. out that it somehow mysteriously turned off. It's the worst. I will never <laughs> forgive you, Nicole. That we talked about this before, though, how usually stage one dash one music tends to be very strong because it has well, to be because it's, it's the you're thing the you're going to hear. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to be the thing that you hear constantly as you die and restart the game. That is a very strong track. I like that one a lot. That, that, that was a good one. Um, you know, what? I got another kind of day one kind of level one level for you here okay uh from a game that 
some people liked. I really am yeah, indifferent too, but I think the music kind of stands on its own. From Vector Man, this is day one, Terror Port. That was day one, Terraport from Vector Man, which came out October 24th, 1995, and was composed by John Holland. That's John spelled J-O-N, just like spelling Brian with a Y. That's wrong. Um, <laughs> John Holland only did a handful of games. I think we mentioned this before. I think we've played from him before. Uh, Vector Man, Vector Man 2, and some other nonsense. That's a late Genesis game releasing in 95. Yeah. I actually have uh, my, my next pick actually uh, also was in 1995. So that, that's kind of funny. You Man as well? Oh my God, embarrassing. How crazy is that? No. Uh, that is a different track, dude. I That's that's different. I don't really know how to describe that. Uh, that I've never played Vector Man though, so. Yeah, you haven't really missed anything. I mean, it looked all right. It was cutting edge for that portion of, of what it was, but uh, I wasn't a big fan. It just, it was, it's, not my, it's not my jam. I know it is relatively somewhat popular, though, is it not? It was, because uh, it, it was a late game in the thing, and he looked old. He, he, he was, what's the word I'm looking for? He was like a new mascot character, so to speak. Uh, I guess so. It, it, this is Sega's response to Donkey Kong Country. But nowhere near as good. Oh, absolutely not. Uh... <laughs> Not even freaking close. But but this is this is what they touted as their an- their answer to Donkey Kong Country. That's uh, really weird. Maybe, because because just like how Donkey Kong Country used lots of like tricks to show like what the graphics couldn't do on the Super Nintendo. That's the Vector Man. Okay, if they're gonna go that route, then I could see that. Yes, but I I, I was thinking like comparing Vector Man to Donkey Kong Country in terms of like gameplay. No, and just not oh, even no, not no, even no. freaking close no. would those two games be able to be compared. Vector Man's a bunch of balls. That are they could turn into things, you know. Your favorite. <laughs> I love them in and around my mouth. That's disgusting, Frank. Unless you're talking about like dipping dots. I-, I was talking about meatballs because they are delightful, and I am starving. What about dipping dots? Ooh, I haven't had dipping dots in years. Dippin' Dots is like popping up all over the place in the uh, like amusement parks and zoos. I saw, we went to the uh, the Cleveland Zoo last year and 
there was a, a Dippin' Dot stand like right by the entrance. Yeah. <laughs> I know how much ice cream costs. I don't know why Dippin' Dots has to charge like $85 for a small cup. <laughs> Dippin' Dots is literally the most expensive thing in the world. <laughs> it's more expensive than a brand new car sometimes. <laughs> and, they, and they got you, you know, because there's nowhere else you're going to get something nice, cold and refreshing. It's not cool, Dippin' Dots. I know what you're doing. And I don't like it. <laughs> Interesting pick, though. I'm not going to say amazing pick. Interesting pick for uh, for Vector Man. It, it definitely was a different feel than everything else we've heard today on the show. So that's that in and of itself can be cool. So nicely done, I guess. Yes, this is another one of those games you could probably skip unless you're one of the people who actually like this game. And if you do like it, let us know why, because... I don't. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I said, I've never played it, and I will play it on the Genesis Mini. Maybe I'll love it. Maybe I'll but love we're, it. We're, we're gonna play every game on it because we paid for it. Like I said, but I, I just, I do not like this game. Yeah, yeah. I, Suck I'm, it, I'm man. looking forward to playing it. But I did uh, when we talked about Alicia Dragoon during my last track. I mentioned that it was at least it reminded me through screenshots of Castlevania. I want to move to a track that sounds like it could have been lifted straight from a Castlevania game. From Light Crusader, this is Grave Matters. was Grave Matters from Light Crusader, which released May 25th, 1995, composed by Akihata. That sounds, as I said, so freaking similar to a Castlevania track, dude. It really sounds like it could have been lifted from a Castlevania game, even though Light Crusader itself is a like it's it's a fusion of multiple different genres really uh it, it blends action adventure role playing some strategy and a little bit of platforming <laughs> it looks really cool though uh i again never play light crusader uh i have watched the grave matters movie uh came out in 2004 it really sucks it was a horror a low budget horror movie 
fairly certain that has nothing to do with Light Crusader oh, or the track. Zero. <laughs> Light Crusader, I've never played, uh, but it looks like it's right up my Alex. It's very Dungeons and Dragons-y. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And what's crazy is that a lot of comparisons are made between two games that I picked from on this episode, Light Crusader and Landstalker. Supposedly, these games are very, very similar, even though they have nothing to do with each other. They are to the point that I actually confuse them myself. (laughs) Like, no joke. Yeah, apparently these games are, like, crazy similar, and they have nothing to do with one another. Except Landstalker came out, like, what, two two or three years prior to, like, Crusader. Oh, they both came out on the Sega. That's what it was. Yeah, that, that, again, that's not what I meant. I know what but uh, it, it does like it, it, it's very Dungeons and Dragons in terms of the story being told. They talk about an evil wizard and how you play as Sir David. So I guess it also has like a very medieval King Arthur-esque feel to it are, as well. I think you're a paladin in this game. So that would explain why you're a light crusader. Oh, OK. That would make total sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that actually excites me a little bit. I myself am playing a Paladin Warcraft classic right now, so uh, I always am generally fond of the way of the light. So I hope I like Light Crusader. Again, it's another game that I'm familiar with because I've watched playthroughs on YouTube. I've never watched a playthrough from start to finish, but I have seen some aspects of this game on YouTube, and I am looking forward to getting the chance to play through this again. There's a lot of games I missed on the Genesis that I'm glad were included in the Genesis mini. Yeah, I missed a lot as well because I said I I bought the Genesis myself as a kid uh, when it came out, saving up. So my games are few and far between. Most of them I played at my friend Justin's house. Um, much to the, you know, stealing those every chance I, I could. <laughs> it is it is absolutely crazy, though, how similar that sounds to a Castlevania track. That and it's a bit of a Stranger Things feel to it as well. That, that oh, n- yeah. N- you n- mentioned n- that we were listening to it. You're right. It absolutely does have a very Stranger Things-esque tone to it, too, for sure. Quit stealing from Light Crusader, Stranger Things. You bastards. Uh, a game that I have played, though. Well, I played these all for the most part, but a game I played the hell out of. Uh, it's called Dynamite Heady. If you're familiar with this game, Brian. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, the name of this track is Schumacher Fly.
that was Schumacher Fly from Dynamite Heady, uh, which came out here in September 1994, composed by Katsuhiko Suzuki. I have some fun little things here. For one, we went back-to-back Treasure games. Treasure was a developer for this one here. Yeah. Uh, after Guns Are Heroes, Treasure broke into four teams. Uh, so Dynamite Heady was one of the teams. Alien Soldier was another. Uh, Yuyu Hatsuko Mayo Tosai was another one. And Light Crusader was the other team. So these were made nice. at the same time. These were made at the exact same time. Yeah, just Dynamite Heady released uh, about nine months before Light Crusader did. Uh, now, I found some cool uh, some cool little sides to uh, this game. They, they, they created it to be commercially viable. They wanted a cool character um, who wasn't a loner. So there's the support characters everywhere. This game is known for having lots of power ups to change your head because you play as a puppet. Dynamite Heady is a puppet and all the other puppets are being taken over um, by this the, the evil dark demon king. Now, the game was inspired by like the Western animation like Terry Gilliam from uh, Monty Python. OK. Um, but with it being a success, Sega of America, for our version, the localized version, they told them they had to make the game harder because they didn't want people completing the game too easily on a rental. They wanted them to have to rent this game multiple times. Oh, that's funny. Okay. So, so, so the game was made twice as hard. Uh, a lot of the dialogue from the game was removed and lots of characters were changed. But I told Brian, the one thing that I will always remember for this game, because it had a very clever name for one of the, the, the bosses that you fought. Uh, he was a bear and his name was Trouble Bruin. And I'm like, how cool is that? I love that. As, as a kid, I was like, this is so clever. Uh, that is funny. This is a super, super fun game. This is probably going to be one of those games that's going to like reinvigorate the love of Dynamite Heady, which I, I would love. I would love, love, love to see this like come out as a sequel. I hope that a lot of these games inspire people to really get invested in the franchises again for some of these on the Genesis menu, because uh, Sega definitely has been willing to make new games recently and bring back some of their franchises. So I'm hoping that some of these that are just kind of dormant right now will find new life because of the Genesis mini. I mean, this game got an 8 out of 10 on Pamitsu. I mean, yeah. which is not, not terrible, something. not terrible. Yeah, not terrible. I just this game is super fun. It's it's a platformer. It's everything I love in the game. The, the, the soundtrack in general has lots of cool songs uh, with weird names. There's a song called uh, I Love You, Goldie Hawn. Who's an actress. <laughs> it's an actress. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, jazzy Little Tune, I think, is one of them as well. Like it's it's, it's, a, it's a very fun game. Very fun uh, idea. Colorful. And uh, I said, I'm going to play the absolute hell out of this once it comes to me on Monday. And the music itself is very upbeat. It's very catchy. Yeah, Kazuhiko Suzuki uh, is actually like the managing sound producer on the pop star games. Oh, OK. They're called, uh, I'm sorry, uh, pop and music games. Uh, I did the DDR dancing uh, for Disney as well. OK. Well, so he's, he, he's got the knack for catchy tunes, I guess. P- p- pretty much, yeah. I mean, the only other game you may know of his, other than he, he worked with like Crusader as well, uh, is uh, Guardian Heroes. Ah, okay. Yeah, familiar with that one too. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. And McDonald's Treasure Land Adventure. Top notch. Which we have played a track we have, from. We have played. I told you, it's, it's good music. <laughs> I know I sound facetious, but it is good music. I think we that was uh, we. I think you played the cave from that back on like a radio or something a long time ago. Fairly certain I have. Yeah, I'm fairly certain you have as well. All right, man. Let's move to another classic JRPG franchise that's featured on the Sega Genesis Mini. 
from Shining Force. This is battle number three, otherwise known as mid-boss. was battle number three, otherwise known as Mid-Boss from Shining Force. Came out here in North America sometime in July of 1993, composed by Masahiko Yoshimura. The official name of that game is Shining Force, The Legacy of Great Intention. And Shining Force is really a classic JRPG franchise with some excellent freaking music in there, man. How fun was that battle I'd music. Like, I like that. The, I even like to have like the little, like, like the psycho. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's very classical. I guess I want to say like, it doesn't sound like your traditional rocking epic battle music that oftentimes we hear in JRPGs, but it almost seems like it's borrowing a little bit of elements from classical music so much so that it, it sounds familiar. I just can't really place what it sounds like. I really do enjoy the Shining Force games, though, and am glad that they kind of are starting to get popular again. We finally got Shining Resonance Refrain here in North America. What was it like a year or two ago on the PlayStation 4 after that released like six years prior on the PS3 in Japan and we never got it here in the States. So, like I said, Sega has been really... I guess, generous lately in bringing back some of their franchises and making sure that they get ported over in English to North America. I mean, you look at Judgment, which was Judge Eyes in Japan, that came out so fast here in North America in English when normally that would have taken years for us to get. And Yakuza 7, which is coming out next year in Japan, is also already been announced, confirmed and releasing in the same year here in North America in English. So they are more prone to release their games in English. And like I said, I'm hoping, as we talked about with Dynamite Hetty, that some of these franchises like Shining Force will get new life because of the Genesis Mini making them popular again. I'm just hoping the Genesis Mini leads to us getting the Sega Saturn or the Sega Dreamcast Mini. I'm hoping the Genesis Mini leads us to get a new Genesis platform. I would love to see Sega re-enter the market. I think they could do something well. (laughs) 
The more the merrier, right? The more the merrier indeed. I only have one track left, Ryan, and that's not fair. We both have one track left, Frank, because we're about to the close of the episode. But I saved you a fun one here, and I got lots of fun things to talk about when we come back. Uh, this is from Mega Man The Wily Wars. This is Wily's Tower Hyperstorm H-Stage. was Mega Man the Wily Wars. Uh, that's Wily's Tower Hyperstorm H's stage. Uh, so this game came out December 31st, 1994 on the Sega channel. Now, uh, this game is a compilation of Mega Man 1, 2, and 3. They took out the password system and they actually gave a battery backup for each game. So that's a, that's a cool thing to have. Now, what they did with this game, uh, for one, this game went through like development hell. It never actually came out as a physical cartridge to my knowledge. No, it was only on the Sega channel, as mentioned. Like, that's the only way we got it here in North America. I mean, I played it through other means, but that's because it never released a cartridge. But now that there's officially a way to play it again, I'll never have to do that again. What the game did was you beat the you had to beat the first three games all the way through, and that gave you a new mode. And that mode was the Wily Towers. Uh, and, and there was three different stages with three new bosses based upon a great classical novel. What, what, what do you think that novel is, Brian? What's what's always the answer to that question? Moby Dick. Journey to the West. <laughs> it's always the answer. Fifle goes west. It's a good movie, too. Uh, so there was Buster Raji, who was based on Sun Wukong. Mega Water S, which was Sha Wujing. And this level right here, Hyperstorm H, which, which was Zubaji. So after you beat these three... Uh, Journey to the West characters, you got to actually go to the titular Wily Tower. And since you beat Mega Man's one, two, and three in these three levels, you were able to pick any eight weapons and three uh, support items from those games to play the, uh, the the new Wily Tower. Oh, okay. So it's definitely worth, you know, giving this game a shot. Uh, I remember it, it's graphically better than the, the original. They, they, they updated, they, they took a lot of the glitches out of the games. 
Um, so it, it, it's super fun. It, it really is. It, this is going to be another shining star. This is the first time that Mega Man actually went elsewhere other than Nintendo. So Yeah, which was a really big deal back in the day. Like That was a really big deal for this to appear on the Genesis. And uh, since you neglect to give credit composed by Kuniya Yamashita. Yeah, who did things such as Mega Man The Wily Wars, Castlevania. Uh, what else we got here? I don't know any of that to be true except for Mega Man The Wily Wars. Castlevania as well. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling from a real list here. Uh, Big Mountain 2000. Yeah, okay. Real list. B- Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Wrath of the Dark Cool King, mm-hmm. and uh, My- Mighty Morphin Power Rangers for the Super Nintendo. Oh, nice. Fun soundtrack on that game, too. It's a good game. Uh, Power yeah. Blade as well. Power Blade is, is an NES classic. I am looking forward to playing Mega Man the Wily Wars. You're, you're going to like this, man. Yeah, again, a game I've never played because I didn't have a chance to pick this up on the Sega channel in 1994 when I didn't actually have access to the Sega channel. <laughs> I did I wasn't I wasn't able to utilize the Sega channel back in the day. I didn't have the Sega channel on my own, but Justin had it and so did my buddy Mike. Um and I think they, I think Mike still actually has his legit Sega channel like thing still. Oh, that's awesome. Does it? I, I can't imagine that it still works. It does not still. It does not still work. The track definitely sounds very Mega Man. Very much so. And a lot of the tracks in the game itself are rearrangements of the originals. I would imagine that to be the case if the game itself is almost like a rearrangement by itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm just. I'm glad that this is like an official thing now. Like we have this because this is a game that is pretty much lost the time. Yeah, and it's super freaking cool, man. Very very cool that we're getting that and. Uh, you know, Mega Man just has an absolute right to be there, just like it was on the NES or the uh, SNES Classic. It has a right to be on the Genesis Mini as well, for sure. But I'm going to close out with a track from a game that is one of my favorite franchises that existed back we on the Sega Genesis. We absolutely love this game. This is definitely the best game in the trilogy, bar none. But the entire trilogy is phenomenal. We're going to close out with a track from Road Rash 2, known yeah. as Vermont. And this is a very rock and roll, rock and track, dude. Deep guitars, deep bass. It's just everything we want from a game that is about riding a motorcycle, bashing people over the head with a chain and a club and knocking them <laughs> off their bike and, you know, going from one city to the next. Like there's Vermont and Arizona, like all these different types of places that you go to, and it's really cool. I can close and see this stage. I've played it so many times. Oh, this is Vermont is my favorite stage in Road Rash 2, which is why I definitely Level picked this track. Five, if I'm not mistaken. And if I I'm think wrong, that is correct. Let's go, let's no, no, I think I think that's actually correct. I, I, in fact, I remember something for this game. Um, the speed limit was 45 miles an hour through Vermont. You were obviously going like a buck twenty, buck thirty the entire way. But uh, <laughs> the signs always had speed level forty-five. I spent so many nights playing Road Rash Two. Uh, like I, said, I own all three of them on the Sega Genesis still to this day. I, I haven't fired them lot. up in a long time. I uh, have not fired them up in a very, very, very long time. But I'm so glad that this. And I remember when we talked about our anticipation for the Sega Genesis Mini back on the Max Level Podcast many, many, many months ago how we were kind of speculating that they would just choose the best of each franchise and put them on the Genesis Mini. That is exactly what they did. 
and I'm very glad that they did do that. So we do get to experience Road Rash 2 again, which I didn't say released in December of 1992 here in North America and composed by Rob Hubbard. Road Rash 2 has a, a fun soundtrack. It is very rock and roll. As I said, you would expect for a game that is vehicular mayhem on motorcycles. <laughs> it's really cool, though. Uh, definitely glad this gets another chance at life. And this, out of everything, this is a franchise I hope gets reinvigorated because of the Genesis Mini. We got that. Hell yeah. We got that bullcrap freaking spinoff spiritual successor game two two or so years ago that was meant to be like a new road rash that absolutely was abysmal horrific never 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 play that game i don't even remember what it's called it was so bad more like road trash exactly it should have been called road trash but i would love to see a new road rash in the modern era and if sega did want to put out a new platform launching with a new road rash would be a good way to generate hype behind a new sega platform so I, I really do hope this gets another chance at life, even if it is on a Sony, Nintendo, or Microsoft platform. I just want a new Road Rash, so we'll close out with Vermont for Road Rash 2. But that is going to bring us to the close of this bonus episode, where we explored some lesser known, but still some very, very, very fun, and some very popular as well, music on the Sega Genesis Mini collection of games. Do you have anything to say before we leave, Frank? Uh, next week we have Radio Hour Volume 28. Seven, close, 27. Oh, okay, good for mental math. Uh, please send us your requests for songs for future radio hours, because I love getting them. I can totally cut one of Brian's picks to give you an extra spot. You always episode. say that, and it never happens. But uh, we, we do have our pick for our fan submission for next week. But yeah, we absolutely need more for future episodes of Radio Hour. And trust me, I'll, call, I'll, I'll, I'll say your name on episode. Yeah. <laughs> Just Martin? like uh, just like Brian did yesterday on the Brian? underwater episode, if you want to submit tracks for themed episodes that we announce at the end of each episode, feel free. I mean, we'll extend an episode by a track or two to include fan submissions like we'll we'll still have mine and we'll still have Frank's, but we'll gladly put in a track at the end or somewhere in the mix to uh, to get your guys' submissions in there as well. So if you want to do that, feel absolutely free to do so. But that is going to do it for this bonus episode. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania made possible by LevelDownGames.com. Don't forget to submit tracks, ideas, and requests, as Frank just mentioned, for future episodes to BGMania at LevelDownGames.com. Regardless of the podcast service you're listening through, be sure to show your support by leaving a rating and a review, especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts. We'd also be grateful if you could drop on over to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash games. Subscribe to us there. And if you haven't already, while you're at it, hit up twitch.tv forward slash games and click that follow button. We are not live often. I say that all the time. If you want to follow someone that is live every Tuesday, every Thursday, every either Saturday or Sunday, twitch.tv forward slash Bruce underscore deduce. That's B-R-U-C-E underscore D-E-D-E-U-C-E. Catch him playing usually just World of Warcraft Classic. But remember, if you've been hearing us talk about it in every single episode over the past month and a half, that charity event is happening this weekend on Saturday the 21st and Sunday the 22nd. Feel free to stop on over there. Help support this charity event where they're going to be raising money for the Las Vegas PBS Special Needs Library. It's going to be a good time and there's multiple streamers involved so you can see that entire list over at levelandongames.com. Stalking us on social media is perfectly acceptable. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook will be a place to do so. Check the description box for the appropriate links. Next month, we'll be back to our normal antics for the end of the year for bonus episodes because on Halloween Day, we'll put up our Halloween Part 3 episode of Radio R, which will be all spooky music. Taking us out of this bonus episode, we have Vermont from Road Rash 2, composed by Rob Hubbard. Keep the music playing and keep it loud.